As you remain standing, let us pray. Gracious Father, we do give you thanks and praise this day that your grace has overflowed for us. We pray, Lord, that by your grace you would open your word to us that we might learn what it is to follow Jesus, to love him, and to have faith in the promises that you have given. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please be seated? I have a vivid memory of going to the mailbox as a child one day and finding a letter there that I believed would change the lives of my entire family. I took the letter and went running back into the house yelling for my mom so I could hand that letter to her that told us that we were already winners. <laughs> Gathering from the chuckling, many of you already know the letter that I am referring to. Of course, it was Publisher's Clearinghouse. Those of you who don't know what that is, that's great for you, and you can come ask me after the service if you like. As I handed her that letter in my joy, my mother gently explained to me that in fact no money was coming our way, that it was a marketing scheme with an empty promise attached to it. Some promises are like that, aren't they? They're just too good to be true. And after years of empty promises, we can become skeptical of hearing a promise from anyone. And yet, it is a promise that lies at the heart of God's plan of redemption. Perhaps it is part of why so many seem unwilling to believe God's promises. We have seen so many promises go unfulfilled. And we do enjoy projecting our own experiences onto God, don't we? Well, this fall, we're going to be walking through about ten chapters in the book of Genesis. We're going to be looking at the life of the great patriarch Abraham, or as he's referred to in our reading, Abram. The Lord will not rename him for a few chapters yet, but for sake of ease on myself, probably more than anyone, I will still refer to him as Abraham. It is through this man that the Lord would begin his great plan of redemption. Over the next few weeks, we will see how that plan is carried out, but we begin with the beginning of chapter 12. We begin this morning with a call, with a promise, and with a faithful step. Let's turn to our reading then and look at this call. What is this call? The truth is that for all of us, our life with God begins with a call. We can tend to have this idea that faith comes through us taking steps toward God. But the truth is, no one would know God at all apart from his coming to us and his calling us to himself. And we see this is true for Abraham as well. 
Our passage begins with the Lord speaking to Abraham, saying, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now, before we hear this call, we know very little about Abraham other than he is the son of Terah. We learn from the book of Joshua that Terah was a pagan, likely a worshiper of the moon. And up until this call from God, in all likelihood, Abraham would have been the same. In this way, the very first words of God to Abraham should act as an encouragement to us. We have this assumption that the great heroes of our faith, these wonderful men and women that we read about in Scripture, that they were perfect every step of the way. And had lived a life in such a way as to prove to God that they were worthy of his interest. But when you actually look at the biblical accounts, we see that that is not at all the case. Abraham was not some kind of faithful superman figure before the Lord's call upon his life. In fact, by most of our thinking, he would have been the least qualified. The last man God would have called. After all, he was a pagan moon worshiper. Why on earth would the Lord use him? Well, it is the simple truth that the Lord calls whom he wills. And in calling that person, the Lord equips that person to accomplish the purposes he has for them. And so from this wrong sort of guy came the great nation of Israel and eventually Jesus himself. What an encouragement that should be when we think about our own lives of faith, our own lives with Jesus. When we doubt whether we have value to the Lord or think that our sin disqualifies us from serving him. It begins with the simplest of calls for all of us. And it did for Abraham as well. The Lord called Abraham to go. Leave your father, the land that you've known, go to the place that I will show you. Now again, one of our assumptions is being challenged here because we tend to assume that knowing the will of God, knowing the call of God is this highly elaborate thing. It's like a code to be cracked. Yet often it is as simple as this. A call to go and a command to follow. At its most basic level, the Christian life is a daily living out the command of God to follow where he leads and to trust in his ability to take us where we need to go. Sometimes that is a literal move from one part of the world to another. Most of us pray that that will never be the case for us, but you never know. Mostly it is simply following his command on how we are to live wherever it is he has placed us. And so on the one hand, it is far simpler than we imagine. Yet I think we can be honest that it can be intimidating as well. 
And being called to go, Abraham is told to leave behind everything he's trusted in. The security of the life that he had, the security of being with his extended family, the homeland he has always known, his and his family's religious beliefs. And not only is he told to leave all that behind, but the call is to go to the land the Lord will show him. He's not given an itinerary here. He doesn't have a map. He doesn't even have a specific location. He is simply told to take his wife and his nephew and all their possessions and go somewhere. I imagine that was not the most comfortable family conversation that evening. You can imagine that discussion around the dinner table. Honey, we're moving. I don't know where. I think sometimes we wish God would give us a little more information, huh? What is it then that would motivate Abraham to go? Well, it's the subtle promise contained here. Even though he does not know where he is going, the promise of God here is that he, God, will show Abraham. It is the promise of God's presence and guidance along the way. He doesn't know where exactly he's going, but he knows that God is leading him. And friends, that is the same promise that is extended to each and every Christian. When Jesus himself said, I am with you always to the end of the age, and by the gift of the Holy Spirit, he is present with each and every Christian wherever he calls us to go. If that is all you had to go on then, would it be enough for you? Go where I lead you. Follow in obedience and I will be with you the whole way. That is what Abraham is given. It's what all of us are given. Is that enough for you? Now the subtle promise in verse 1, by the way, all of that was verse 1. It's going to take us a little while to get through this series of this, right? All of that in verse 1, that subtle promise, it sets the stage for what we might call the greater promises of verses 2 and 3. Verses 2 and 3, God sets before Abraham the promise of a land, a people, a reputation worth having, and great blessing, meaning the favor of God himself upon Abraham. Now, we could easily imagine Abraham struggling to believe that such favor, such blessing, is possible. In fact, we will hear him state as much later on in our series. He was, after all, already 75 years old. His wife is long past her childbearing years. But he has a life, a family, and could easily have been satisfied with this comfortable piece of land and a nice, quiet life. It actually does sound quite nice, doesn't it? And yet God wanted more for him. So much more. 
the draw of that comfortable life. It can be tempting, can't it? Yet what if the Lord has commanded something more? What if something greater is planned? Would you be willing to risk the comfortable life to be a part of the greater plans and purposes that the Lord has? That is the choice laid before Abraham as he considers the promise of God. The Lord makes this wonderful promise, and we don't know anything about what was going on internally about Abraham. The, the Bible doesn't tell us. All we know is that he goes. He packs up the family, and off they march. And as great as this promise is to Abraham, it turns out that the promise is about so much more than Abraham. And we see this in what the Lord says to him upon arriving at the place to which he was called. The Lord appears to Abraham and says to him in verse 7, To your offspring I will give this land. Not to you, Abraham. You're not going to have this land. He was promised a nation to come from him and a land to dwell in, but those things will not be fulfilled in his lifetime. He would not see them. You see, the point here is that the greater blessing that God offers to Abraham is to serve God for a purpose greater than himself. It is the same call and promise he makes for every Christian life. That he will give us a blessing along the way to be sure, but the greater blessing is playing our part in the greater purpose of God. Sometimes that means being the leading man like Abraham who does the incredibly faithful act. But sometimes it means being that anonymous parishioner your entire life. The one who most of us would walk past the street and not even take notice, and yet has served the Lord faithfully. The one who is anonymous to us and yet is in no way anonymous to the Lord, and will one day hear the great words of blessing that we should all long to hear as this anonymous person sees Jesus, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. It's the blessing that awaits. But even as Christians, when we think about blessing, when we read about Abraham being blessed here, what did our mind go to? It's the material, right? We always pivot to the material, being given the things of this world. But the blessing of God is really about having the favor of God upon us so that we might follow him in this world and receive his welcome when he calls us home. For that is where the greater blessings lie, to come to our end and to receive the crown of life and the joy of eternal life in the presence of Jesus. That is the blessing he desires for his people. It is the greatest blessing on offer. And the beautiful thing is as we live this life with the favor of God upon us, we get to extend that blessing to others. God gives us his purpose in calling Abraham. It's found at the end of verse 3. 
where the Lord tells Abraham, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He is blessing Abraham with this incredible call so that in Abraham, through him, through his family line, all the nations of the world would be blessed. It's far greater than Abraham. While Abraham is blessed, it's not really about him at all. And that itself is a blessing as Abraham's life becomes about following the God who calls him and makes promises to him that are greater than anything he could have imagined for himself. Far greater than the comfortable life he was leaving behind. But it is tempting. In his great sermon, The Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis said this, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. It's the place we can often find ourselves in, isn't it? Is that where we are today? Is that where our hearts are today? Are we far too easily pleased? Are we holding on to what we know because the fear of the unknown and the pull of the comfortable life keep us from receiving the greater blessing of God, keep us from playing our part in that greater plan that he has for us and for our world? Do we here know the joy of following Jesus, answering the call that he places on us wherever we might go, not just coming to him as Savior, but going where he leads us so that we might bless others and invite them to know the blessing of the Lord? And would you sign up for serving him, even if it meant you would see almost none of the fruit of it in your own life? If almost all of it would come well after you're gone. That's basically what Abraham's being offered here. And yet he went because he was called. And he knew the Lord was with him and he believed in the one who made the promise. He could have no idea that it would take nearly 2,000 years 42 generations, the Gospel of Matthew tells us, to see the fulfillment of this promise that God had made. This promise does not even begin to be fulfilled until the coming of Jesus. Because it is through Jesus that every nation and every person can be blessed. And yet, Abraham considered the Lord worth following. He wanted to be a part of the greater plans and purpose of the Lord. He wanted to be a part of something greater than himself. What about you? What plan are you a part of? See, all too often in the church, we get consumed by the immediate 
We make decisions based on what we see before us or the cultural climate that we are living in. We all too easily and too quickly forget that promises have been made to the church of Christ as well. We forget Christ's promise that he is with us to the very end of the age. We forget Christ's promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And yet, we as the church spend countless amounts of time and energy lamenting that people just don't go to church like they used to. That we're living in a post-Christian society and we spiritually throw our hands up and assume that things can never be the same and the faith will continue to diminish. It is utter nonsense. We don't know the ups and downs that the church will face in our time, or any time, yet we still have the promise of Jesus, do we not? And that promise is just as valid the first time he said it as to this very day. The Lord has told us that his church will prevail. We may live in a time and a place where that seems unlikely, but the promise is still true. Will we then answer the call to follow? Even if we ourselves will not see that promise fulfilled in our time. Would we still follow? Even though we don't have a GPS readout of what it's going to look like or where exactly we're going. Would we still follow him because he has promised and he is faithful? Or will we allow fear and comfort Keep us from the greater plan. The Lord calls. The Lord promises. And the response is a faithful step. Throughout the New Testament, we read of how Abraham walked by faith and by faith was counted as righteous. And we've spoken about how little the Lord told Abraham about what was to come, about how little information he had, and how Abraham still went. He placed his faith in the Lord and obeyed the call to go. In this way, he is an example to every faithful Christian. As the book of Hebrews tells us, it was by faith that Abraham followed the call of God, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundation whose designer and builder is God. He wasn't satisfied with the life he had, but longed for that joy that Lewis spoke about in his quote, the joy of life in the city of God, living in the presence of God himself. And it is by faith that that same promise comes now to the Christian. Walking with God has always and will always take faith. For Abraham, it was was the faith, the trust that this promise was greater than what he already knew. That following God was worth the risk. It is the same faithful step we all must make. To say that, yes, I have a life I know, and perhaps it's even a good life, but the promise of new life in Jesus, the promise of redemption, of his guidance and presence in this life, is worth giving all of that up for. Amen. 
It is the faithful step to look upon Jesus as Paul did and say, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death by any means possible. I may attain the resurrection from the dead. As we journey with Abraham this fall, we will see that he was not perfect. In fact, we'll read all about it next week. And his life was certainly not filled with wine and roses. Yet he was God's faithful servant, and through him, the unqualified, all who believe in Jesus have been blessed beyond measure. The call was made, the promise given, and the faith lived out. That is Abraham's story. And it is the story of all faithful stories. This season and all our seasons, may we here, the people of God at St. Aidan's, hear the Lord's call to follow, even to places we may not know, even without clarity on all the details so that we might receive the incredible blessing of knowing Jesus and walking with him each and every day. Blessed by him that we might bless this world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.